0: and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast where we're talking to cool people doing cool things and I've been thinking a lot about bloody marys because I was at the bloody mary festival last weekend nice. and I did not meet this person there but he reached out to me shortly thereafter and I was in the bloody mary spirit and in the bloody mary mood Pete welcome to the program it is Pete Holser he is from Sideshow Bloody Mary Mix and Pete, I kind of have a Bloody Mary obsession. I'm not going to lie. And it sounds like <laughs> we
1: we we love people like you, Stephanie. We love people that are obsessed with Bloody Marys. As absolutely. many, many people are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, again, that Bloody Mary Festival, there were like 2,500 people there. How did you get obsessed with Bloody Marys?
1: Yeah. And usually we are at the Bloody Mary Festival. We just opted to do different uh, events. Sure. Like yeah, that. absolutely. So, um, so how do we get into the Bloody Mary biz? So like uh, a million years ago when I was in college, I bartended and it was at a supper club. So we, we they specialize in Bloody Marys. And at the time, I'm like, well, I don't know about that. You know, I, I wasn't like too keen on that. because I love vegetables. And the last vegetable I ever grown to like were tomatoes. So I wasn't too keen on it. But I remember my, my wife. Uh, or girlfriend at the time, then fiance and then wife. And her family was obsessed with Bloody Mary. So I took these recipes that I concocted, which I've never tried before, um, and at, at kind of a, a reunion. And it was a big hit. And then, you know, fast forward 25 years, my wife and I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. We've had different businesses. So we're like, let's do like a cool business. And how cool are Bloody Mary? I was at a networking event the other day and they're like, wait, what did you say you're with a bloody Mary company? And I'm like, well, that's cooler than, you know, whatever other industry. Oh, so, but we just love them. And I mean, we spent like a year perfecting three of our recipes and um, you know, we just, you know, whether it's a friend or foe, but we typically uh, give these little Mason jars to our family members and friends and it's pretty awesome because then they'll tell us to tweak it a little bit, maybe add a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that. Because they're typically in a good Bloody Mary, you'll have anywhere between eight and 15 ingredients. And it's you need to really mesh those well together. Right. So one's not overpowering. So that's kind of the, the maybe the long version of how we got into the business and how we're here today.
0: So how, tell me about your three varieties and how are they different?
1: Yeah. So we start with our original, which um, there's a lot of, People who like just a a mild Bloody Mary, a classic Bloody Mary, and we have that one. And then we have a sweet horseradish, which is a very unique blend. Uh, So it doesn't really have a bite, but it's a real savory blend. And then our final one is uh, jalapeno and garlic. And that, that actually has been our number one seller since day one. However, some people just don't like spice in their Bloody Marys. I wish they would because Bloody Mary should be, spicy. <laughs> but the mild one, and not not to discredit our mild at all, but it's just uh, it's just designed for a good Bloody Mary. The nice thing about a the mild, they're very popular around the holidays because you can always doctor them up. Right, you know when you have people over for Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know Uncle Joe might like it spicy, Aunt Mary might not. So yeah. it's, it's a good one you can doctor up. And with those three varieties that we have every single summer. We do a different sampler variety, just kind of like the beer companies do. You do a different one. And this summer, we had a habanero bacon, which we served at festivals and at liquor stores. And it was a huge hit. We pull it off the market. Then we'll interject another one next year.
0: And do you sell like gift packs for holidays where you can get like one of each?
1: That's that's crazy that you're saying this. <laughs> right behind me is a basket where we do so many shows and people are always like oh that would make you a great christmas gift so we're going to put bows on them and uh and ribbons and all that good stuff so they I can love ju- it. good stocking stuffer. so yeah
0: Yeah. it will be a great a great gift idea so you say you're a serial entrepreneur what other types of businesses have you had
1: so we had uh, an advertising agency for about 10 11 years and with that we also uh, published local magazines it was it was fantastic Uh, loved it and then we just we sold that business and then my my wife's got the same entrepreneurial spirit she's always had a hair salon and then uh, she's got a stained glass company so we've always you know I I've done the corporate route and you know I, I loved it but I just love the nimbleness of having a business
0: do you feel like when you look back on your corporate route versus your entrepreneurial life Cause I think a lot of people get into the entrepreneurial life thinking they're going to have more flexibility over their schedule. Do you think that you work more on your entrepreneur businesses than you did in your corporate life?
1: <laughs> so that that's funny. When I first started my first business, I'm like, Oh, cause it was an ad agency. Right. I'm like, I'm going to have martini lunches all the time. This is great. This is how it's supposed to be. And you know what? I never had one because I usually had to work till midnight and same with like yesterday. I mean, doing deliveries, got home, had dinner, and then now we're, we can't see there, but we're doing packaging to send out. So it never ends. But, um, you know, when you have your own business, you never work a day in your life. I think that's a famous quote Yep. because it doesn't feel like work because it's a passion.
0: Yeah. How do you, when you started the Bloody Mary business, did you have a set amount of money? Like we're going to start it with X amount and that's going to be our seed money. And have you ever gone below that or had to reinvest?
1: Well, that that's a that's a great question too. Um, so yeah, we had some money earmarked to launch this because you need capital to do that. How much did and you start I mean, with approximately? What's that? How much did you start with oh, approximately? Uh, $25,000. Okay, because
0: some people it's can be 10, some people it's 50, 25 is a good number. It seems like that'd be a good launch.
1: Yeah, it seems like a good launch. And you know what the thing about that is, is you know you saying oh wow twenty five grand that's a lot of money but I mean you you you're talking about design and packaging and labeling and R and D and websites and uh, marketing collateral and usually when you start out in like a food and beverage business there's a lot of trial and error I mean when we first launched this it was it was kind of on the fixed side which it wasn't working so well. I mean, that, that was like an R and D throwaway. Um, And now we've, we've kind of carved it a little bit, Um, but you know, I I knock on wood, right. We've never had to take out a loan yet. So, um, you know, we're just putting money back in and it's finally, it's finally catching on because there's nothing that's competition proof. I mean, there's, it's a commoditized market and um, it takes a while to get your brand going.
0: Do you think having your background in advertising has helped you in this business? And what kind of you you did magazine advertising, so publishing.
1: Yeah, yep. Oh most most definitely. And you know, I see my my competition kind of doing the same stuff. And which is good to to know what they're doing, but I try to do things a little a little different. You know, and maybe I don't want to reveal all, all my secrets, but it is definitely has helped. Um, And I'm, you know, we post videos online that we do, and you know whether we're at shows and, and such. But yeah, we just have kind of taken um, my background to to apply that because we actually. What's that?
0: I was gonna say I think that's actually something I would like entrepreneurs to hear because you know the nature of you is like, well, everybody's zigging, so maybe I should zag. But I think the best entrepreneurs actually have a combination of both because you don't always want to be the first mover in a space. You don't always want to be the evangelist for a product. So you're trying to find what are your competitors doing right? What are they doing well? And then what could you put your own spin on? Or where are areas that maybe are smaller risk, higher reward that you can be the groundbreaker in?
1: I love it. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, absolutely. So let me let me show you an example. Am I able to get something right here? Sure, just, sure, sure. What I'm referring to. Right
0: what now, Pete's grabbing something in his kitchen. What's that? I'm just telling the audience what you're doing. I said you were grabbing something in your kitchen.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So as you can see right here, this bottle. Have you seen our bottles before? Probably. Yeah,
0: and that... Um, that bottle, I'm trying to describe it. It was like, uh, they put barbecue sauce in that bottle in the 80s. I'm trying to think, open pit. It's like open, an open pit yeah, barbecue Yeah, bottle. open
1: pit. And they used to use, um, way, way, way back in the day, Carol syrup used to be in a, in a bottle yes. like this. Um, but when I, when I went to market with this, I'm like, every single Bloody Mary bottle is exactly the same. This is more expensive. But you know what? It sticks out. Because when you're going up against, you know, as a consumer, right, you're at, you're at a liquor store and you see 20 Bloody Mary mixes and 18 of the 20 have the exact same bottle, you've got to do something a little different. And it's this, this kind of paid off for us.
0: Yeah, and that could either be a plus or a minus because in some aspects, maybe a liquor store doesn't want to have weirder pack, not weirder packaging, but the outlier because then they have to deal with where they're going to put it and how it fits on the shelf. So depending on your industry sometimes again that's a plus other times it's a minus just depending on what it
1: is. Well since we're burying our souls right here I mean you hit you hit it right on the head there Stephanie because we got we've had very we've been very fortunate to get into a lot of major retailers but we got it turned down by a, a major one because it's a wider bottle and they, 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 that shelf space is like precious and it was just too wide. Their are skewed so i mean that's a good example that's a negative so
0: yeah and it's it's like the pluses come with the minuses right so what made you stand out maybe hurt you at one retailer but maybe <laughs> will help you at others how so is okay. is most of your marketing at this point social media do you do you go to shows do you do festivals trade shows are you there every weekend
1: yeah, we do. We try to do. Um, again, we're in about one hundred and forty locations retail in Minnesota, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. And typically, what we do is we do a lot of shows too, um, because it's a great way to build your brand, great way to get it out. Because if you think about it, when you go to the liquor store and you see this brand and you've never tried it before, it's kind of a gamble. Yeah, that's why there's so many tastings all the time and demos. And um, yeah, these 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 fairs and uh, expos have worked well for us.
0: When you go to a fair, are you looking at it as a moneymaker? Is the goal to break even? Do you like have a certain amount of the cost of the fair entry that you attribute to branding and marketing?
1: Yeah. I mean, all the above, but mostly uh, a moneymaker.
0: Okay. And do you sample? We do. Do you ever stand next to someone that doesn't sample? Because I think sampling is expensive for people that are makers. But I just can't stress enough if you're listening, if you would go to these events and you don't sample, you are just leaving money on the table.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question, because I've been at shows where some people have had amazing, amazing products. And I guess I don't want to mention the product because it might allude to maybe who they, they are, but it's, it's an amazing product. And I'm like, and they're not sampling it out. And, you know, at the show, this stuff is usually pretty expensive. And I'm like, God, if you just, just give a little bit out. Yeah. Because it sells itself. And actually, to um, your, your point about sampling, there's so many times. Because, you know, the American dollar can only go so far. And usually people bring cash to these shows. Well, I mean, obviously credit card as well or Venmo. But um, sometimes people will have a uh, taste and they'll say, well, I'm going to think about it. Let's see what else is around here. I mean, that's just our shopping nature. And usually they come back in five minutes. Because they taste, you know, that tastes with them. Yep. And if they didn't try it, they may not be back.
0: What, when you, um, do you like, is it better for you to go to Bloody Mary exclusive shows or shows where you're mixed in with other types of vendors?
1: 100% mixed in with other vendors. So, um, you know, I, I got to tell you that we've done that Bloody Mary festival And it's great and people love it and it's a good value. I mean, it costs a pretty penny, but you get to try like, I don't know, maybe like 20 different Bloody Marys. Right. But let me ask you this. The person that goes there that had 20 little Bloody Marys, do you think she or he will remember all of them? No, because it was everyone meshed together.
0: Yeah, I I do. I'm trying to
1: do less and less of those.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that from your point of view. I do think in some respects, it's good because it's a niche market. So, you know, Mm -hmm. those people are Bloody Mary aficionados. But I also can see that there's people that are just coming for 12 Bloody Marys with their friends to get sloshed, you know, and that's not necessarily a maker environment. So I can see it both ways.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, Where do you feel like, is there a new frontier for you that you're not in that you think like would be your next rodeo? in terms of like you want your product in this place or you want to be able to like sell on Amazon? Is there something that you're looking at?
1: There, there is. And um, we do self-distribution. So we don't have a distributor, which means we control our brand 100%. And, you know, buyer beware that when you give your brand to a distributor, they're also distributing so many other products. hmm are they making sure that your bottles are lined up right? Are they making sure, you know, everything looks good? Probably not. Maybe. Um, but we're looking at getting into bigger markets because we stuck our toe into the pool of doing different markets throughout the state, larger markets other than the twin cities like Rochester, Duluth, Alexandria, and summer hits, summer misses. So maybe, maybe just I mean, I'm not gonna say, yeah, we're gonna grow. Uh, nationwide, but I like to grow really slow. So it's more identifying the right markets and the right stores because not all stores are created equal. We don't do very well in these bargain bin types of discount stores at all.
0: Is it because you're premiumly priced? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you, so do you actually co-pack or are you making the product as well?
1: Uh, We have, we have a co-pack. I mean, we start this out of our kitchen. Um, every time we launch a new product and then we send it up to the co-packer and they scale it. And then um, we ship all the ingredients right up to them. Have you had a
0: good experience with that? Cause some people that's been hit or miss too.
1: Um, mostly. Yes. I have a very good relationship with my co-packer, but there has been some, some misses um, they're small like us and, you know, maybe have some imperfections as well, but yep. I find, I find if you have a relationship cause it's, Okay, it's not easy to switch co-packers. So it's better to build a relationship with them because, especially with mine, I mean, I guess this is not, people can't see this, but again, showing you the bottle, not all co-packers can do this. So I needed to find one that could handle this bottle. Right. And the quantity. So yeah, I mean, it's it's hit or miss. I've heard a lot of horror stories with some, but mine, mine's mine been pretty good.
0: That's also good learning though, too. Sometimes throwing the baby out with the bathwater isn't always the right approach, just reinvesting and working with the Co-Packer. Right. Um, right. Are there other products that you can think of off the top of your head that you're like, and not necessarily in the Bloody Mary space, but wow, you know, like that's a great product, or I wish I would have thought of that.
1: You know, the first thing that comes to my mind when you mention that and all of a sudden I saw the explosion um, and it has nothing to do with, well, kind of alcohol, but not really, but, I mean, you remember the seltzer industry only four years ago, white cloth dominated everyone and their brother and sister puts out seltzers now. But one that I've seen just explode in the last three months is we, (laughs) my, uh, my nephew's girlfriend brought this on 4th of July and it was this liquid IV. Have you read this yet? Uh Uh-uh. I mean, and it's got the electrolytes and it's got uh hydro, well, not hydrotherapy.
0: It's <laughs> like a hy- yeah. Uh, hydrating. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And um, I see it everywhere now. I mean, basically it's good for after workouts, but what they market it for is a hangover. Yeah. That's exactly what it's for. So then now everyone's taking that and, you know, they think it's, maybe it's a placebo effect. I don't know. Could be. You, do you drink it before
0: over. you go out or do you drink it the next day?
1: Uh, you drink it, actually, uh, when you go to bed. So, and now I'm seeing it, like, everywhere. I think she got it at Costco. Uh-huh. And now I see it at a lot of retailers. I actually saw it in, um, you know, like, when you go to the convenience store. And you yeah. Have the convenience store, they have the slide shots. Yeah. There the now. Coolers, so, yep. If you're asking me the, the newest, greatest, and latest thing, that's the first thing that came to my mind that seems to be take, having an explosion.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, Pete, it's great to see you. What do you have coming up? Where can people find your product at festivals or in stores in the Twin Cities?
1: Yeah, so we are, again, in 140 locations in Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, here in the Twin Cities. Uh, you can find us at all the Total Wines, all the Top 10 Liquors, uh, most of Haskells. We're in a ton of high vees Hy-Vee liquor, not high vee food. Sure. Um, and there's, there's tremendous stores here in town. Um, and then just a ton of, of mom and pops too, but those are some big ones. And then, um, we're going to be at Sioux Falls, I mean, we'll do like these uh shabby cheek uh, sh- is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Um, uh, events, boutiques. Great, it's great this time of year because it's, people are shopping, doing holiday shopping. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, we'll be in Sioux Falls next week, and then we'll be in Fargo, Alexandria, and so okay. all of those.
0: All right. Well, we will look for you. Uh, It is Sideshow Bloody Mary Mix. And what's your website, Pete?
1: Um, SideshowBloodyMaryMix.com.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us today on The Makers of Minnesota. I love it. Yeah. Thanks, Stephanie. Have a wonderful
1: day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.